HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Sombra, an award-winning artisanal mezcal handcrafted in Santiago, Matatlan, Oaxaca, Mexico. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. All right, well, look what I've got. I've got my squeeze bottle of Mike's Hot Honey and even a little packet of the, uh, I guess this is a new one. We're gonna talk to Mike Kurtz, the founder and creator of Mike's Hot Honey today on Pizza Talk. I'm Peter Reinhardt. Welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, I'm excited because, uh, you know, we've had uh, interviews with a lot of pizza makers and we've talked with tomato growers, but now we're kind of moving into another category uh, with Mike because we're getting into sort of the ingredient side. This is, a, you could say maybe call it a condiment. It's an, it's, a, it's an item in its own right and it lives beyond pizza and in other parts of the food world. But it really made its mark in the pizza world, and Mike is the creator. Mike Kurtz, we, thanks for joining us today on Pizza Talk. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Peter. I mean, you've got a great story to tell, and uh, we wanted that we we shared it already in a written form on Pizza Quest. So, for those of you who haven't had a chance to read the interview with Mike, you know, feel free to go back and read that uh, at your leisure. And we're going to maybe touch on some of the same points that we talked about in that interview, but maybe go beyond it as well. So uh, I think where we need to start, though, is for people who don't know you, and many of the people who watch this are, you know, I know you from the Pizza Expo and the, and the uh, Northeast Pizza shows where you, you know, are always a presence, but those who are not part of that pizza community are probably wondering, you know, what's the story behind Mike's Hot Honey, and, you know, why Hot Honey? Why has Hot Honey become so hot? That's what everyone really wants to know. <laughs> so maybe you can help, you know, catch us up a little bit. How did you get into all this? Yeah. So it's, it's been a long uh, journey for me. Um, the inspiration for my product um, actually comes from Brazil. My parents are both American. My mom's from D.C. My dad's from Philly. But they met in Brazil in the 1960s. My dad was there in the Peace Corps. And um, when I was in college, I studied Portuguese. I was a Portuguese major. That's how I ended up in the honey business. And... Uh, <laughs> I was studying abroad in northeastern Brazil, and while I was down there, I, I visited a small town, and in this town, there was a 
pizzeria that had jars of honey with chili peppers for drizzling on the pizzas. And I just loved the flavor combination. And um, when I got back to the States a year later, it was my senior year of college, I started experimenting with honey chili pepper infusions in my college apartment. So that was kind of the be the beginning. That was uh, 2004. So um, I made it as a hobby for a long time. It was just uh, something I did for my own personal use. Yeah. Um, and graduated from college, summer of 2005, moved to New York City, and uh, started working in the music business. I was actually you, they, um, you, Mike. When you say working in the music business, what what does that mean? I know you. I you, in the interview you mentioned that, but I, what part of the music business? What did you do? Yeah. Um, my my first job was in uh, record record sales. So I was actually selling CDs for a record label back when record stores were still selling CDs. Um, but that's actually my, my family's um, business. My, my grandparents um, met uh, singing in a show in Atlantic City. They were both singers there. Um, they used to sing together at the 500 Club, which was a club in Atlantic City. Um, and... So they were they were in the music business. My grandfather was the MC at a place called the Latin Casino. Which oh my god, he was Center the MC City. at the Latin Casino. I used to go to Latin. Yeah. I'm from Philly, you know. And and uh, did you ever actually get, live in Philly? Did you grow up in Philly as well? No, my dad did. My dad grew up in Philly, but um, the Latin Casino sadly was already gone by the time I was born. Um, oh, I think it, it went an amazing the, club. Seventies. Yeah, just over the over the border in New Jersey, we used to. We used to go there to see, I saw Jerry Lewis and Dee Martin. I saw some great acts there. So, You probably saw my grandfather on stage. He used oh. to introduce the main act. He would tell a couple jokes. Sometimes he'd like sing a tune and then he'd introduce the act. And then, yeah, so so those my, my grandparents were in, in the music. My dad is a jazz saxophonist. My uncle's a drummer. I play piano. Um, I studied ethnomusicology in addition to Portuguese, and I studied Brazilian music when I was in college. So, my where did first you go to, job. Where did you go to college, Mike. I went to UMass. Um, really? Okay. So I, I grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts, in Western Mass. Um, went to UMass, which is actually closer to where I grew up than my own high school. So, like, I was a real hometown kid. Um, did one year in Wisconsin, my freshman year of college, and I ended up transferring back to to UMass. Um, and then my, my junior year, I studied abroad in, in northeastern Brazil in Salvador, which is uh, about 30 hours north of Rio if you're driving up the coast. Wow. Um, so I was there for a year, and that's really where the, the inspiration for the product came from. It's not, it's not that it's a, uh, a Brazilian thing to put honey on your pizza. It just happened to be something I discovered at, a, at, at one, one place. Um, and I just love the love the flavor profile, so started making it in my my college apartment. And uh, pretty soon, like I had friends and family that had tasted it, and they were they were into it. And I always called it Mike's Hot Honey from the very beginning. That's just like the name that that I came up with. So they'd ask for bottles periodically, and I you know I'd I'd give them a jar or two, or sometimes I'd I'd make a batch around the holidays to give out to people. But it was basically just a hobby for for years um how a lot of these things then, start isn't it yeah i mean you kind of just eventually you 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 sort of like speak them into existence um like 
I had a bottle in the break room at the record label I worked in. Um, my, my actual sales um, territory was, was the Mid-Atlantic. And I worked for a record label called Putumayo World Music. They did compilations of music from different countries. So it's kind of like an introduction to uh, the music of that particular country. And we were launching a new compilation every uh, month. And so I'd go on the road and, and sell those albums into different record stores. But some of my biggest customers were actually the Whole Foods because they had listening stations for those CDs inside the, the supermarket. So ironically, that ended up like, um, coincidentally, that ended up becoming like a you know, big customer of ours in the honey business. And, and, and some of that experience was, was pretty you know, applicable to, to, to honey as it turned out. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in, um, my last job in the music business. I, I worked in record sales and I worked in A&R where I was like, I had an, I was in on the fourth floor of a office building on Lafayette, um, a couple blocks south of Astor place in the East village. And, um, my job was to sort through all the demos that would come into the record label. So I'd have my headphones on all day going through demos. And then I, I sort of was like the first pass, uh, was like, like the gatekeeper. So I sift through all of the stuff that came into the record label and then pass those on to, you know, I've heard, I've heard, the term, I've heard the term A&R in music. I'm not, I've never worked in the music business. So I have a lot of friends who have, but what does A&R actually mean? What do those letters mean? And, and is it, is it kind of like, is it like talent scouting? Is that what it is? Sort of, yeah. It's A and R is artist and repertoire. And, artist um, and repertoire. See, I never knew. You hear the term, yeah. but you never know what it means. I mean, it's kind of a vague term. Like it can mean a lot of different things. But essentially, like most record labels have an A and R. The A and R is the person that's out there scouting talent, that's developing talent, figuring out, you know, who the label is going to record. So. Yeah, I mean, in our case, we, we weren't recording original albums so much as putting together compilations. So it's really just like scouting music to include on the compilation. So somehow the, the music was an entree, you know, into a, a lot of connections. Uh, in fact, I was going to ask you, was Philadelphia part of your territory when you were when you had the Mid-Atlantic States? Actually, it wasn't. I was, I was the Carolinas. Um, so I was actually your neck of the woods. I was mostly Carolinas. I was D.C. down to like, South Carolina, or uh, actually D.C. down to Atlanta. I was going to so, ask you about Philly because uh, I would have thought maybe World Cafe would be one of your accounts uh, and also, you know, a big music, uh, a music venue. And a friend of mine yeah. hated that in Philly. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't my territory. But, um, but yeah, I know, I know the World Cafe and Philly in general is just a great music city. And, and of um, course, also a great food city. And a great food city. I Although mean, I could until, talk Philly all day. <laughs> until recently, though, you know, nobody was putting honey on their pizza. I've, I've known about the connection of honey and pizza for a long time because of, you know, some of the pizzerias, even in Colorado, where they would put a jar of regular honey on the table, and you would use it to right. finish off the bones of your pizza at the end of the meal and kind of make a dessert out of, you know, out of the edges. And, uh, and it was great. I always felt like that was a cool way to finish it off. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm seeing this addition of chilies and of course you've got i can even see the chilies you know floating in this honey uh, and i want to hear a little bit more about your formulation because it's not just honey and chili anybody can just put hot peppers and chilies you've spent some time kind of creating your own 
maybe sourcing your own ingredients for that? Yeah, I spent a lot of time testing out different types of chili peppers. And what's interesting about chilies is like each chili pepper, the heat will hit you on a different part of your palate. So like it's it's kind of interesting you're taste testing chilies to see how the heat sort of blooms on your palate. Some hit you up front, some hit you on the sides, some are like almost like your full mouth, some hit you in the back. Um, so the the particular chili that we use um, hits you on the back of the palate, and I settled on that that chili pepper because I like the way that the heat hit you. It allows you to sort of taste the flavor of the food that the honey is on. Um, and then the heat kind of kicks in on the back of the palate on a little bit of a delay. So it's kind of like the so, part of the finish of the taste. I'm going to have a little, a little squirt of it again while we're talking and see if I can identify this, that flavor profile. Yeah. So you taste the floral notes of the honey up front and then the heat kind of comes in on about one second, two second delay. Yeah, is this like a wildflower honey? Is that what you're using? Yeah. So it's, Polyfloral wildflower just means that the bees are collecting nectar from a range of different flowers. Um, it's, it's delicious honey in its own right, and it hits you right off the front. You know, like like you said, right at the beginning, you get the floral sweet notes, and it's there's like maybe a three to four second delay, and all of a sudden you start to feel the the chilies come in behind it. Yeah. So like there was you know there was a period where I was just exper experimenting with different ways to create infusions um, and I, I never wanted to use stabilizers in the product so it took a long time to create a process that um, created a homogeneous solution without using any sort of stabilizers. I worked on that for almost almost four years of the business like in the beginning where yeah I was I, I you know I don't, I don't know if we're jumping too far ahead here but like I met Polly in 2010 when he was opening his pizzeria, Polly G. Polly G, yeah, yeah. We want to we want to spend a little time. Maybe we'll talk more about that in our in our next uh, segment. But I know that's where okay. it launched for you. Uh, I mean, yeah. let's lead up to sort of that moment where you and Polly G okay. came together. But yeah, so so like the the process of infusing chilies into honey there's there's a range of different ways you can do it but i found that it was really difficult to create a homogeneous mixture where like uh, oftentimes i would make an infusion but the chili par pepper particulate would totally separate from the honey um very quickly so mm -hmm. it was an issue because like i couldn't create um i couldn't build stock that still happens a little bit but not to the same extent that so it is yeah it has a it's emulsified or something. It's done something to where it's all blended in there. Yeah. Without giving away any secrets, can you tell us a, a little <laughs> bit, what does it take to, to, to make that happen? It took four years to get there. So I know it's got to be part of your process and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to give away the, the store, but uh, <laughs> what, what did it take? Yeah. I mean, I can't get into the, the fine details of the process, um, but, I could tell you a little bit just about like the, the experience of, of, of creating that process, which is kind of interesting. Like I, I spent a lot of time experimenting on my own. Like I had a shelf in my apartment that was like a bookshelf that just had sample bottles and I'd have like a little piece of tape on each bottle with the number and the date and some of the process specs on that particular batch. 
and I had like hundreds of these bottles. So you come to my, you come to my apartment and it just said this bookshop instead of books, it was just like hundreds of honey bottles on the shelf. Um, all failed experiments basically. So I, I was, I was trying and failing for a long time, um, different processes. And I started working with a food lab that was in Maryland, um, outside of Baltimore. I met a food scientist who I had sent some product to and he just like, he just really liked it. And so he kind of took up my cause, um, just doing some pro bono work for me. Um, and he actually couldn't figure out the solution. We, We worked on it for, for a few years and we never figured it out. And so I was kind of like disillusioned because I, I had, this is at this point I had launched the product and it was being sold in a very, you know, limited amount of distribution and, and mostly just in New York and some mail order, but I couldn't like create product um, in advance. I'd have to fulfill every order. I'd have to pack every bottle to order. Yeah. So it just wasn't sustainable. Eventually I, um, I was home visiting my folks um, over a weekend and I went to the food science department at UMass, which is my alma mater. And I was honestly just like aimlessly walking around the hallways of the food science department on a Saturday. And I was just desperate, you know, like I couldn't, I had this issue where like people liked the product, they wanted it, but I just couldn't figure out how to get over this hurdle and logging down the hallway. And um, this professor happened to be in his lab and I just saw him. I had no idea who he was. I I knocked on the door and um, I had a bottle of the honey with me and I, he let me in and I chatted with him for a few minutes and he, he didn't actually solve the problem for me, but he did drop some clues that eventually led to the breakthrough that unlocked larger scale um, production. And I can't, unfortunately I can't share what that breakthrough is with you, but, but but it is the, the, the point is really that it's not as easy as it looks because it's not just about mixing a couple of ingredients and you got a product when you're going public and you're going mainstream, you've got issues that the consumer doesn't even think about. Like how do I keep it clear and, and not separating? Yeah. And I think that's true for like most food products that are produced on a larger scale. People just don't, they, they may might think it's very simple on the surface, but there's just a lot of, complexity and wrinkles that go into to producing things on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because it's like you say, if I told you yet, I'd have to kill you. Right. If I told you how I did it, but, but, it, but also it's like, if you were to take this to shark tank, let's say, and say, I, Hey, I need you to invest and get me to the next level. The questions they're going to ask is, well, how, what makes yours different from everybody else's and nobody else has figured out that one little secret thing that you figured out is how to keep it, you know, as a smooth homogenous product which is, you know, the challenge of every entrepreneur is how do I differentiate myself from the pack? Um, and so, you know, and I know for me, when I first experienced the honey, um, the hot honey was at uh, one of the pizza expos when I was judging pizza competition. Cause I, I live in North Carolina, so I'm not up in New York all the time. I, I haven't yet been in Pauly G's, which is on my bucket list of places to get Gotta to go. the planes. Let me fly again. But, um, but I noticed how many pizzas were coming in to the judging room finished off with Mike's hot honey. And it was always, it wasn't just hot honey. It was Mike's hot honey. And, and so, you know, we're all kind of, so those of us who were new to it, we're going, 
well, well what is this stuff and why is everybody using it all of a sudden? It's kind of like it tipped over. It went from being a total unknown to being, you know, an overnight success with what a 10 year gestation, but it was an overnight success to, to us because we'd never heard of it before. Why do you think people are responding so well to this flavor combination? You know, I think it's, uh, there's something about the way that the, the sweetness from the honey um, complements like the acidity of tomatoes on a pie or the savory elements of a, of a pizza, like um, cured meats that are on a pizza. And it just, it just pairs really well with pizza. I mean, it's, it's one of these things that like really hadn't been, most people had never experienced. And that, at least initially, that was really like the, the primary motivation for creating this stuff. Cause I was like, man, like nobody's experienced this stuff, but it's so good on pizza. Like I got to make this so more people can try it. And like, you know, just to fast forward a few years, like I was, I was making, I was a pizza hobbyist for, for a while. I was, um, my one of my best friends here in Massachusetts, his family owned some pizzeria. So I was around pizza a lot growing up. Um, and then when when I moved to New York, I started making a lot of pizza at home. Um, and you know, I remember the early days of Slice Blog when um, right. Adam Cuban was 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 um, the editor at Slice Blog, and and that was sort of like the place on the internet where a lot of the pizza community congregated to. Right to kind of share information, um, yeah. you know, That's that people started making. getting familiar with terms like the, the underskirt and every photo <laughs> of somebody holding the pizza up showed <laughs> the underskirt of the, of the crust. Yeah. Right. You know, the yeah. Slice was a great, and it still is a great, uh, you know, sort of community of people. And I think it really helped elevate, uh, the passion for pizza across America. Yeah, it was, I mean, I learned a lot just from reading the articles there and, uh, you know, I sort of came in, I was exposed to a lot of different things on that site that I'd never, I'd never read about or, or tasted myself before. So I was making a lot of pizzas at home and um, was on Slice a lot. Um, I used to submit pizzas. I don't know if you remember My Pie Monday, where, where people would submit their pizzas um, to Adam and he would feature some, some homemade pizzas. I think I got a couple on there from, for right. My Pie Monday back in the day. But so it, you, it was, so you were you had kind of got dipped your toe into the into the the ring, so to speak. Yeah, I was making some pizzas that I think if I look back on them now, I mean, I, I've looked back at the photos and they're I don't know that I'd be proud of them today. But I was just starting out at the time, hey. trying to learn, and um, they, they well, we definitely tasted that it's good. Part of the it's part of a discovery process. Pizza Quest itself, our our website is dedicated to the sort of this this search for you know for meaning. Uh, and self-discovery, you know, through pizza. And that's a perfect example of it. You know what I'd like to do, Mike, is is uh, let's take a break here. Uh, we're, we're talking to Mike Kurtz, the founder and creator of Mike's Hot Honey. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how Mike went from being sort of a, a home amateur pizza enthusiast to, cre you know, creating a product and actually ending up working uh, with Pauly G and in Pauly G's Pizzeria. 
This episode is brought to you by Sombra, an award-winning artisanal mezcal handcrafted in Santiago, Matatlan, Oaxaca, Mexico. Sombra owns and operates their own distillery, which ensures consistent quality, supply, and environmentally friendly production methods. Sombra is committed to sustainability, recycling distillation waste into adobe bricks to build homes for those in need. Learn more at sombramezcal.com. That's S-O-M-B-R-A mezcal. Dot com. Mike's hot, honey, or my, my squeeze bottle. I love the squeeze bottle. Uh, I cut off a little bit of the tip so I can get a really good flow. And I'm going to keep tasting this as we talk because I'm really enjoying the uh, floral notes. It's a very, uh, really bright floral honey. It's light. It's golden. I love the amber color. Um, but it's a, it's, it's more, I would say it's floral, I guess is the best word. And then that, that little hit of, of, uh, and it's not a little hit. It's a, it's a, it's a bold, uh, cayenne type, you know, pepper. I don't know what, and again, the, probably the particular pepper that you're using is part of your, your trade secrets. I would think this is Mike Kurtz, by the way, um, the creator and founder of Mike's hot honey. Mike was giving us sort of the background of how he ramped up from uh, a college student and somebody then working in the music business to, uh, and a sort of a fun amateur pizza enthusiast to um, we're just about at the story where it, it went from being this uh, personal little product that you and your friends would put on your, your pizzas to moving into mainstream. And I dare say by the time people see this episode, it's very likely that pizzerias all over the country are now using Mike's, I don't know, you need, you'll tell us a little bit more about how far your reach has been, but let's, let's, let's take it from where we left off, Mike, and, and uh, tell us for how you got from being a contributor on Slice on uh, you know on and showing off your pizzas on Monday nights to uh, taking it to the next level. Yeah, so so I was on Slicewalk a lot, uh, just reading different articles, um, and I kept on seeing the same person showing up in the comments, Paulie G. I'm like, who is this guy? He's like a serial commenter. Like he's commenting on every post. Had he already so was he a professional then, or was he still kind of building no. his place? Yeah, so he he hadn't opened the restaurant yet, so I didn't I I just knew him from uh, initially just from being like a frequent commenter on Slice. Um, you know, you see other people like Norma Nepp. Um, Norma uh, is a she's got a pizzeria in Pennsylvania, but she used to be on Slice a lot. But there's there's a lot of a lot of people from the community that I later met in person who I first just kind of knew from their handles on Slice. So. I kept on seeing Paulie G in the comments, and then um, one day he was featured on 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 Series Seats. Um, Adam Cuban went to his uh, house in Jersey, and he had built a Neapolitan wood burning oven in his backyard. And they did an article about him, and they mentioned that he was planning on opening a pizzeria in Greenpoint, which is right near where I lived in in New York. So, right when he opened. Um, I went down there cause I wanted to check out the, the oven and he had got, uh, Stefano Ferrara wood burning oven from Italy, um, built in Naples and shipped over on a, on a container ship. And, um, so I wanted to check that out and check out his pizzas. So, so I went there and, um, I was sitting in the, in the corner of the restaurant having a pie and, um, he came by the table as he, as he does pretty much for anybody who eats in his restaurant, you'll, 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 you've probably had Polly come by your table and, and ask how your meal's going. 
So this is but now he has opened in Greenpoint at this point. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Open the restaurant. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so this is this is uh yeah this is 2010. Um, I think Polly opened in March of 2010. So this is like uh you know a couple months into his opening. Hard to believe, but ten years ago now. Yeah. In ten years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so there you are eating your pizza and what do you, wait, you, you whip out a bottle of your hot honey, right? No, I didn't have any on me at the <laughs> oh, time, but, right. <laughs> but I did mention it to him. Like, so he came out of the table and he was, you know, we were chatting about pizza and I was asking him all sorts of questions about his oven and his dough recipe. And he could tell I was like really into to making pizza. And I, you know, I was telling him about my experiments at home and, um, he was like, well, you know, if you'd like, like you're welcome to come come down and and uh, become a pizza apprentice here after your day job. So I was at the time I was working for a booking agency in the town, and um, so I, you know, I was like, wow, this is this is a cool opportunity to actually really practice stretching dough, practice working on a on a real wood burning oven, um, and just kind of like learn learn the learn the ropes. So. Uh, I took him up on his offer and I started coming in uh, after my day job in the evenings. I'd go there and just practice stretching dough and, and help out with like random kitchen work. And um, on one of the first days I was, I was down there, I told him, I was like, look, you know, I, I have this pizza condiment that I think you should really try. And at that point, you know, it wasn't a packaged product. So, uh, the next night I was in there practicing, I brought a bottle for him to try and he tasted it and he really liked it. So he was like, Hey, can you make this for the pizzeria? Is it, you know, can you, can you, can you produce this at a, at, you know, just enough for us to use on the pizza? So I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll you know, make about a, a gallon at a time, which is like 12 pounds of honey. So well, wait, let me stop you right there for a second. Cause yeah. I want to ask, at that time, now we're talking ten years ago, was was the product the same as it is now, or was it still evolved? Did it evolve more afterwards? And where were you getting your honey from? Yeah, so at the time, I was buying honey from a honey distributor in Pennsylvania, and I was getting it um, like by the gallon. Like I wasn't, I wasn't buying like in bulk yet. I wasn't even buying like five five gallon buckets. Um, and then once Polly started using it, I started getting buckets. So I'd get like these 60 pound pails delivered to the pizzeria. Um, Polly, um, basically like once I was good enough stretching dough, I was fast enough. He, he started to put me on, a, a actual dinner shift. So it took a while to practice. And once I was like fast enough, I started actually stretching dough and like the, Anybody who's eaten that Polly G's knows it's like the, he calls it the pizza theater, the area where the, in front of the oven is open to the floor of the restaurant. So it's very interactive experience. So like people dining in the restaurant can, can interact with the folks making pizzas and the guys make pizza could see everybody eating at the, at the restaurant. And um, it's really like performance art, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and I, I just loved it. Like it was an exciting time. The restaurant was, you know, was new and um, it became really popular very quickly and it was always packed and um, it was just fun to interact with people while they're eating their pizzas. So um, the, the operation is that there's one person stretching dough, there's one person topping pies, 
there's somebody working the oven and then there's an expediter who's doing post oven toppings, cutting the pies, calling out new pies to the team. So it's a four person operation. At the time when I started, Paulie was still making pies at the restaurant. I was working with him and his son, Derek, who was 18 at the time. And mm-hmm. Paulie, as he, as he is known for, would, would, would go out to the floor of the restaurant and leave us. He would abandon us to go <laughs> chat with customers yeah. and we'd fall behind on tickets. And so like, it was really difficult because like when you leave us, we, we'd be stuck and, um, you know, the pizzas were coming out late. And so we got to a point where we realized like, and I think Paulie came to this realization, like he could be more effective and he was better suited if he could just be free to be, you know, on the floor of the restaurant at all times. So, um, that was like the early days of the restaurant. And we, we had, we had the honey on this pizza called fire up the Del Boy. Del Boy is, um, the nickname of his son, Derek. And Derek's favorite pizza was the hot soprasada pizza. And it was, uh, topped with this hot soprasada from Sala Maria Bellese, which is a, um, Sala Maria that's, um, I think it's on like 28th street and seventh Avenue or sixth Avenue. It's right in midtown Manhattan. Um, it's been there for over a hundred years and they make really great soprasada. Wow. And, um, the honey, the honey paired really well with, with the soprasada. And so we, we had this pie fire up the Del Boy and it was called fire up the Del Boy because every time you would, the expediter would yell fire up the X pie and then you would throw the pie in the oven. So, um, we called it fire up the Del Boy because the Del Boy was the pie, the soprasada pie without the honey. Fire up the Del Boy was the pie with Mike's hot honey drizzled on top post oven. So, so that became, so, so that's because uh, Derek, who, who's the doughboy, I guess, in a sense, he loved that combination himself. So, uh, so it was, it was perfect because you want him over, you want Paulie over and suddenly it's on yeah. the menu. So it's on the menu. It was just, it was tomatoes, fresh mozzarella, parm, soprasada picante, and then a post oven drizzle of Mike's hot honey. And it was a hit. Like I'd be there stretching dough and I could see people's reactions to eating that pie. And it very quickly became like one of the top selling pies. And then one, one day, one of the uh, customers was like, you know, why don't you just call it the Hellboy? Cause it was, it was called fire up the Hellboy. It was kind of a mouthful. Yeah. So then the name changed to the Hellboy. Um, the Hellboy? It became like the oh, Hellboy. Like hot, I mean, hot, hot dough. Yeah. yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah. So it became the Hellboy at that point. Oh, the Hellboy. And, uh, Hellboy. Okay. That, yeah. yeah, it went from Del Boy, fire up the Del Boy to the Hellboy. So <laughs> the Hellboy became like the, the top selling pie on the menu. And I could see people's reactions to, to, to tasting it. And uh, I'd be in the pizzeria and people come up to me and say, hey, are you the honey guy? Like, we're, we heard you're the honey guy. Where can we, where can we get this stuff? Yeah. And I wasn't producing it. So I was you know, I was just making it for Paulie's place. And um, so then I started packing like little, like plastic pint containers of it. I go back to the kitchen and I'd fill up a little a pint and se- sell it for cash behind the pizza oven. And uh, had a little so merch it, table going. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, occasionally people would ask for it and I just fill up a little plastic pint container and sell it to them. So like, that's kind of how it started. And then yeah. um, I think it was around, uh November of that year of 2010 I decided like all right enough people are asking I'm going to start actually bottling stuff well so 
And as they say, the rest is history because it took off from there. And uh, so let's fast forward uh, and we'll come back a little bit, but let's fast forward for, to right now. So how far spread is the reach of Mike's Honey now? Yeah, so I mean, this is 10 years later. Um, we're split roughly 50-50 between food service and retail. Um, on the retail side, we're sold in about 16,000 doors across really? the country. Yeah, so it's... How does that know, translate into like either pounds or or is there a volume oh, measure? No. How many gallons of this stuff are you making that? And where? where I mean, do you uh, produce that much hot honey? Yeah, so uh, our production facility, so there's like a, I mean, obviously there's there's a, a, a long process of, of scaling up that was probably the most difficult part of the whole the whole um, growth of the business but for the first five years I, I produced it in the back of Polly's Pizzeria and he was closed on Monday so I had Mondays I had the kitchen to myself then I'd go in there and do production runs in there and it was just a very very basic um, uh, system and I was, yeah I was in there by myself uh, I never had a helper. I, I literally just did every, packed every bottle myself, you know, labeled, capped every bottle. Were you still working so in the my, music business too? Did you still have your day job or had you quit that and moved into full-time restaurant work? So I was, uh, when I started at Polly's, I was working at this booking agency in, in Midtown and um, I kept that job for a little while. And then some point Polly got a liquor license and he was able to start selling beer beer and wine and um so I started tending bar there and making pizzas and I was still I still had my day job and I was starting to get the honey off the ground so at some point I walked into the I was working as an assistant to a booking agent I, I walked in his office and I was like hey you know this this pizza place I've been working in I think I'm just gonna start doing that full-time now wow and Amazing. And I was like, I've been making this honey on the side and people seem to like it. I think I'm just going to go for it. You know, and he, he was like, he was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? Cause it's, but it's amazing. It's like the classic American success story. It's uh, when they make the movie of, of Mike's Hot Honey. Uh, by the way, who's going to play you in the movie, you know? And then, and, and then, uh, and, and it's really this, this, this classic story of, you know, starting in one direction and bootstrapping it up and then all of a sudden it gets discovered and you're a, you're a hit. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, I had this prospect of one day becoming a booking agent if I really like stuck it out for many yeah. years. And I just, I didn't really like the business that much and the right. contract negotiation was kind of brutal and it just wasn't for me. And I, I was really having fun making pizzas every night. And like, that was, that just brought me joy, you know, working, working the dough, being in front of that oven, getting to eat lots of pizza. Like that was, that was something I enjoyed. So it wasn't really making much money, but at the time I think my rent was like 400 bucks a month. I had a bunch of roommates, so I was able to like, I was able to, to, to make it work. And so I quit my, quit my day job and started working in the pizzeria full time and, and, and started working on like scaling the honey, but at yeah, the first point, five at years. At what point did it did it kind of scale up to where it became a full time work? You going uh, from you know working in the pizza and and then doing this on the side to becoming your primary focus. Yeah, so it was maybe about three and a half years in. I was able to um, kind of just commit full time to developing the, the 
the honey business. Um, I continued to work at the pizzeria like periodically just as like a substitute on the pizza oven or sometimes yeah. filling in for Polly when he couldn't be there. But um, yeah, it was about three and a half years in and um, it took me about five years of, of just making it myself before I was able to scale up production. I think it was about like late 2014. Um, I met a, a honey producer from upstate New York um, and I had tried and failed many times to scale up production. It was, you know, I had first gone around to like co-packers who packed sauces and quickly discovered that you really need uh, uh, equipment that's specific to handling honey. Uh -huh. um, so then I started looking at uh, different honey producers and honey packers um, who might be able to help me scale up and none of them would work with me because they're all like, we, we don't want to risk cross-contaminating our pure honey line with your hot honey because if yeah. you clean the line and some chili pepper gets into our pure honey it's you know it's ruined so so i couldn't like i couldn't convince anybody to like help me scale up and then finally i met a honey producer from upstate new york who had a bottling line in Fords, new jersey um and he gave me a chance you know and he was like he was like look you know i don't i don't know i don't know about your product i don't know how it's going to work out but like you know i'll work with you to try to figure this out so we basically macgyvered a, a production line um wow. you know there's no template for how to do it on a larger scale and he he really took the time to, to help me scale up it's a um grant styles from styles apiaries um and he's still our our he still runs our production line today is it, is it, um, is it AP, styles apiaries honey that we're using in the hot honey yeah so uh, up until very recently, we exclusively used Styles Apiaries, um, and so their hives are Jefferson County, New York, which is North Central New York State. So it's wildflower from from that part of New York. Um, we recently outgrew their their production and started sourcing honey from other parts of the country, sort of pulling from uh, the Great Plains, um, which the Dakotas are probably the biggest produ honey producing states in the country. We're also pulling some honey from Brazil and Argentina, which is the first time we've sourced honey internationally. But well, you're taking um, it back we, to your roots, then back to the where you first kind of created it. Yeah, yeah. So now our our honey is produced with a mix of of wildflower honey from the states and also Brazilian and Argentinian wildflower honey. But that change was very recent. Up until uh, a few months ago, we were exclusively using. New York so State wildflower honey. How many places did you say? How many how many uh, outlets are there now for it? So the, on the on the retail side, about sixteen thousand retail stores. Um, mm -hmm. What started with like just like a couple local retailers, like in New York places, like Murray's Cheese Shop was one of my first customers. Some of the local cheese shops, butcher shops, and specialty stores, and then it kind of grew. Whole Foods in Brooklyn was my first grocery store. Now we're in. Um, dozens of their stores around the country and um, we're nationwide in Walmart. Um, we're really? Walmart, 4, huh? 4,000 Walmart stores. Um, we're, we're sold on Amazon. We're, we're in Target. Um, lots of grocery stores around the country. So it's really grown to, to become kind of like a mainstream grocery product. So I guess you're not doing any uh, midnight shifts at the pizzeria anymore. You're doing this full time. It sounds like it's well, yeah, I mean, you created a monster basically here and it's going to take your full attention. It kind of got to like, it, you know, it, like it, it, it's something that grew out of 
a demand for the product the people kept asking me to to make it i started making it and then once it was out into the world it was just kind of like one one piece of press created more more you know generated more eyes on the product and and i think i benefited from being in new york and being in, in greenpoint where there happened to be a lot of journalists you know and like um i think they they saw it as like their hometown product and something yeah. they wanted to share they got behind um, it yeah and if you yeah, can make and, it there you can make it anywhere <laughs> yeah i mean it was tough i i used to for five years i i drove my um i had a a uh, 95 Geo Prism with about 200,000 miles on it. I used to drive around New York with it weighed down with honey. It was like bottoming out on all the wow. New York, all those New York potholes and um, just, you know, personally delivering cases. But a, a lot of those stores and like the, the relationships I had from, from like personally, like slowly building with those first customers, I still have today. And those, those are still like powerful, um, important relationships for the company. So, like, I think doing it slow that way actually, you know, worked out for us. Um, and and then on the, the restaurant side, we work with lots of restaurants around the country, lots of pizzerias. Um, uh, you know, the, the popular pairing is to drizzle it on a, on a hot soppressata or a pepperoni pie. It's just become like this sort of um, proven, proven crowd pleaser that people really like. Um, yeah, there's you, lots you of other really great created a whole new category of pizza by combining honey with with salami in that sense uh spicy spicy salamis and uh uh and it it really was a paradigm shift in 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 terms of pizzas because it didn't exist before at least not in, in most people's experience yeah i mean i think like the pizza community embraced it in part because like you know at the time i was starting this i was i was working in a pizzeria and i was i was you know, I was making pizzerias. So like a lot of these people were my peers and people I kind of got to know through the community. So the pizza community is really um, responsible for the growth of the product. And like we, we, um, they're like a family to us, you know, like a lot of the, a lot of our best customers in the pizza, in the pizza business are, are, you know, we consider family. Well, you know, in the Pizza Quest interview, I asked you this, and, and uh, we showed some photos of some other applications of Honey Nest, not just the pizza product. And, and, and of course, I've been putting it often on salmon and on chicken, uh, you know, that's not related to pizza. Um, mm -hmm. Where can people who are watching this get uh, more recipes, get in contact with you, find out maybe which stores close to them are carrying it? Is there, what's, what's the best link for them? Yeah, you can go to our website, mikeshothoney.com. We have a store locator there. We have a recipe section there with lots of different um, applications for, for, for the honey and, and different recipes to check out. And you can also hit us on Instagram, at Mike's Hot Honey, um, at Mike's Hot Honey for all social media. But um, our, our Instagram has a lot of different uh, recipes and, and, and food pairings to help give you, give you some ideas. And I think one of the you know, most obvious and common pairings <clears throat> is how wonderful it is with cheese. Obviously on a pizza, we, we get that, but uh, the photos, <clears throat> pardon me, the photos that are either on Instagram or on the, on our, in the uh, Pizza Quest interview show a, a cheese board with all different kinds of cheeses with drizzles honey over it. So basically it really makes everything taste better is in the end, it's kind of a magic sauce in that it makes everything taste better. And we're just so, so glad you created it and, and established a whole new category of food and, uh, and gave 
the sort of the consumer uh, a new frame of reference, a new point of reference for how to push food to another level. So Mike, thank you so much for doing that. And thank you so much for being with us. For, for those who want more information, read the interview. Uh, uh, we have contact information on the Pizza Quest interview, but also um, Mike, uh, Mike's uh, contacts through his uh, Instagram, his website, um, and, uh, you know, keep growing it. Uh, who knows? Next time we talk to you, I'm expecting you'll be probably, it sounds like you're in almost every state in the country now, right? I think we're in every state now. Yeah. I mean, we, um, still, we're still producing the same product. Um, it's still very, you know, a narrow product line. It's just the same product packed in a range of different pack sizes. This is, you know, the, this is the 12 ounce, but we also have things like our, our squeeze packets, um, which are for, for pizzerias who want to um, send them out to go. And we're about to launch these dip cups. This is actually first look at, at our dip cups, which are, um, you know, familiar to pizzerias. Sometimes um, they, they use these for other sauces, but we're going to be launching these for pizzerias in the next couple of months. So, um, yeah. Well, keep and, it growing uh, and keep it going and, and, you know, stay in touch with us. Keep, uh, let us know how things, if, especially if you have any uh, any new new products coming out that you want us to let people know about. I know that there's going to be product extensions uh, where you're going to take the honey and move them into some other things, but uh, we can't talk about those yet. That's going to be for a future episode when, when the big reveal happens. Mike Kurtz, creator of Mike's Hot Honey, thank you so much for being on Pizza Talk with us today. And thank all of you for joining us, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Pizza Talk. See you then. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.